Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Hi, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 27 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. Now, before I get on to today's show, I want to talk about an upcoming episode we have arranged with Mr. Brian Kennedy. Now, you may not know the name, but he has his own YouTube channel called BKXC, and basically he rides around the world testing out the best trails and showing us and filming them for our enjoyment so we can also maybe possibly at one stage in our life go and do the same and ride the trails he's been on which would be absolutely fantastic but he's coming on the show over the next couple of episodes and it's your chance to get involved folks so if you want to ask Brian some questions about his YouTube channel about himself about his gear about how he rides, how fit he is, anything at all, just get in contact and we can hopefully get your question on the podcast. And if you're keen on doing that, just go to mtb-tribe.com, subscribe there. Uh, That will send me through a subscription email. I will then get in contact with you and get some questions off you. And hopefully we can bunch together some goodies, some sticker packs from Brian and myself. And if your question is on the show, we will get those sent out to you just as a wee thank you for getting involved. Now on to today's show. And today we have a very special guest. Young lady's name is Robin O'Neill. She's a professional outdoor lifestyle and action photographer. So we'll be chatting to Robin about being a professional photographer, not only within the outdoor action environment, but also within the mountain biking scene. Robin has worked with a number of top companies and personalities in the mountain biking industry. So she chats to us about how she became a photographer, why she moved to Whistler, and how she came to be shooting for some of the best brands in the mountain biking scene. So it's all very interesting. A lot of the shots you will see from the best brands up there, some of them have definitely been been done by Robin herself. So Robin had a bit of a different uh, and interesting direction into the photography industry. She chats about this and how she decided to follow her true passion and get involved full-time in outdoor lifestyle and action photography. This was an actual direction for Robin as she is an avid mountain biker and skier. We chat to her about this and much more. And we chat to her about the brands, working with the brands, working with the personalities, the athletes, how she deals with that, how she deals with difficult shooting environments and conditions and and how she sorts all that out how she loves mountain biking so much very important and why she thinks this is a big plus to her in taking mountain biking photography shots we we chat to her about her gear about what you can expect to pay for certain stuff like that and um, it's just a general overall really good conversation about photography within the mountain biking and adventure industry we also talk about how you can get in contact with robin see her work and check out what she's doing on a daily basis through her social network platforms so thank you robin for coming on the show i appreciate it and thank you folks for being here and listening to the show so let's Welcome, Robin O'Neill, to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, Robin. How are you doing? Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast, all the way from Whistler, may I say, somewhere that's definitely on my bucket list. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. No problem. And it's about 11 o'clock morning time with you. 
Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Nice, snowy, beautiful, sunny day here. Uh, I was going to ask you, is it still snowing there? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Woke up to 10 to 15 centimeters this morning, and it's it's uh, clearing up. Oh, wow, wow, gorgeous. And can you see any of the trails at Whistler or anything from where you're at? Can I see part of me? Can you see the mountains of Whistler where you're at? Oh, yeah, I have a view of the mountains from my my um, my home. Oh, man, that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, I can see right, I can see Whistler Blackholm, and I can see Rainbow Mountain and Sprout. Oh, wow. Are you going snowboarding today or skiing? I'm actually going to cut myself off today. I'm doing working on some some uh, content, so I need to get that done before I go skiing for three days. So, yeah. Uh, brilliant. Well, here, listen, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. And I know we've tried to, to hook this up beforehand, but you're super busy. You're always out on the road doing shoots and stuff like that. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day and coming on. Well, thanks for the invite. I'm glad that you have patience and we finally connected. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So, Liz, before we get into the photography side of things, can we talk a wee bit about your background, if you don't mind? You're from Toronto originally, yeah. is that correct? Um, exactly. Yeah, and then you've done a BA in history, and then you moved to Whistler. So, what really started you in photography, you know, considering you've done a, you done a BA in history? Um, good point. I didn't actually do any fine arts until I was in my third year of, um, third year at Queen's University in, in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, signed up to do development work in Guyana for the summer and, um, began, I, I borrowed my dad's camera, his old camera that was a manual camera and, uh, learned how to use it on the plane and brought it with me to document, what was going to what was going on where I was going to be spending the summer um, helping build a community center and doing some medical outreach projects mm-hmm. and that's how I started to learn and become passionate about it as a documentary tool so a very different avenue into it really yeah and then again the next year I traveled on I went to Africa in Zimbabwe and did development work there as well and I wanted to um, Sorry, that was a text message that came in. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I used it as a documentary tool there as well as I was seeing things that were unique and that other people didn't have necessarily the opportunity to see. Um, and I used it as a fundraising tool when I got home to send money back to the communities I was working in. So I would sell my photography um, or I had a sale and uh, a show in Toronto and sold all of it and made a, a sum of money to send back to this area in Zimbabwe that I was working in and felt like this would be a good avenue to, you know, make, make contributions and good change. In so that's how I ended up going into a photography program after that, after that show, I did a two month canoe trip and again, documented that and came out of there and signed up for photography a photography diploma on the west coast of Canada in Victoria, British Columbia. And that's what brought me out west. Mm-hmm. And then I've never left. Yeah. Well, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you not leaving there. That's, that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So what kind of age were you when you first went and done mm-hmm. your photography in Africa? I was 23 years old. 
and at that stage when you started to do that and, and you, you found an interest in that did you just find a passion in that Were you, did you get so passionate about it that you want to you want to continue your career that direction Yes, I, was, I wasn't really clear on career choice at that point, but I knew I really wanted to explore um, photography and documentary work, and, um, and I wanted to have the skill sets to be able to do that. Wow, and I suppose doing your community work in Africa, you've seen the power of the camera and of media and stuff like that, and did that also help you know, make your mind up? Did that inspire you to continue on? Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that was what inspired me, um, is that it was a, an effective tool. Mm. And when I was, um, you know, I was recently in Africa again for another project, and the um, community, or sorry, the, the project itself noticed a huge increase in donations the next year after the images were released. And I think that that goes to tell that when people can connect to a story and can connect to um, you know, through photos or through video, what is actually happening somewhere where they can't see that it actually can really help um, move people into supporting a cause. Yeah, no, sounds sounds amazing. And it's funny, I've had a few guys on the website, uh, not the website, sorry, the podcast from uh, Kinjabi in East Africa, yeah. uh, Kenya. And yeah, mountain biking's getting so popular out there now. Um, and it's great just just to see how them guys actually make things happen, you know, with so little, but still they make it happen. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. They're very powerful people. Yeah, yeah. So is photography, Robin, now your full-time work? Yes, yeah. It has been for about 10 years. Wow, okay. And you run your own photography business. When did you decide to kind of venture out on your own then? What, what made you make that decision? Um, I was a photo editor at the time, um, as sort of an interim job, and I just was seeing the photos that were coming across my desk, and I just, I don't know, I just I went on a gut instinct that this was something that I would be capable of doing myself, and that I would probably be more content doing that, so I just jumped ship. Did you open your website at that stage? How did you go about that? What way did you make that move? Yeah, I think I think every photographer has to have a website of sorts, and and it's never going to be perfect, and it's never going to um, end the way it started to begin with. But I think it's the most effective tool for communicating to people what you're up to and what you're doing and what you can what you can produce. Have you seen the industry change much over the years? Well, when I started in photography school, I was shooting on film and slide film, so. Wow. Yes, I have in that, in that <laughs> short period of time. Um, I ended up working in digital. Um, <clears throat> about, yeah, you know, I, I ended up moving to digital. And then that was in the early years of digital. And that was definitely interesting. Um, and now we've come, you know, full circle. And, and the digital has become so sophisticated and so effective that that is just, uh, other than, you know, specific art, projects that people use that um, film for I mean most of the commercial world is is working with digital mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I suppose it's easy and fast and you can take a thousand photos and it's easy just well not easy but it's easier to go through them and see what you like and what you don't like and things like that 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is easier for sure. I mean, it definitely, I think if you started in film, you you still tend to be a little bit more considerate probably in, in your framing and your photography because you've just you've learned like that. But there is an exceptional learning curve um, in digital where you can see and modify your your technique and your composition so quickly that the progression um, is is a lot faster. I think it's a very accelerated progression as a photographer now, um, and that's that's a, that's always a positive. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And we can talk a wee bit about a wee bit about that later, um, just about your equipment and stuff like that, if you don't mind. Um, because I would like to anybody that's listening and wants to get into photography, I'd like to, you know for them to be able to take something away and um, from a professional like yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, how about mountain biking? Um, are you a keen mountain biker? Oh my gosh, I love mountain biking. It's <laughs> my favorite thing. I love it. Uh, so when did you start mountain biking? Whistler. I started in Whistler when I moved here. Right. Okay. Um, and is that that's about ten years ago or so? Is it? Yeah, 2003 is when I started mountain biking. Wow, okay, cool. Um, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of mountain bikers out there. You're, you're at the hub of things there. Yes, I think I learned at a time where it was growing quite rapidly. And, um, you know, after having traveled a little bit more through the years um, biking, I've realized how exhaustive our train is and how amazing our train is. Um, how home is still my favorite place to ride yeah no, it's brilliant and we see crank works and all here from whistler and stuff like that and it just looks amazing out there so what what made you get into it what made you start it um i think i was here for to for skiing and then that summer i was uh i just tried out i tried out a bike and i fell in love immediately mm-hmm. and what do you think you like about it so much um I love being in the forest. I love being in the alpine. I love being active and I love the technical focus um, of being on a bike and the speed yeah. and the community is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And you know, it's funny, everybody kind of gets that from it, has that same kind of enjoyment from it. And I think oh. it is, it really is brilliant. Yeah, and it's something that you, you can always improve at. So there's never, a, for me, there's never stagnation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very true. And I've had a couple of people on from Whistler actually on the podcast, um, and they were talking about the the camps out there that they have and the schools you can go to and you know your skill camps and stuff. So it sounds very, very good and very good at, and positive at moving forward. Yes, for sure, it's very progressive in this town of um, of where the sports headed seems to incorporate um you know the kids are just so proficient here they're exposed to the sport so young and they have the the highest level of coaching at a young age so it's it's just part of the culture and the community and it's surprising what people are capable of doing it just blows my mind every day i mean you know there's some people that are just riding the trails and enjoying that and then there's some people just pushing it and pushing it on the jumps in the bike park and you know we have all sorts of different different types of mountain bikers in our community but there seems to be a huge alignment between amongst all of them there's a, a sense of community yeah it's, it's great to see i love it and it's one of it's one of the things that makes it so easy to do i think is the community 
because everybody's quite welcoming and quite chatty and we all want to see what everybody else is riding and what knee pads they're wearing and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? It's interesting because we have like a community event. We have a, an amazing organization called Worka and um, it's a community-based uh, organization. And um, yeah, they, we have a Tooney race, so a, 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 what we call cross-country, but it's a very technical cross-country mm-hmm. Um uh, race every week where it's $2 to enter and, um, you get beer and food at the end and you get to ride a course and you either decide to race it or you decide to just ride it with your friends. And uh, it's a big party at the end. There's probably about two to 300 people show up every week. Yeah. And then they have a, every Wednesday night, they have a downhill race in the bike park. So again, another community oriented, um, race that happens weekly. So the community is constantly, you know, from the ages of, you know, like elementary school to late 60s are involved in these events. So it's a way for everyone to come together. Wow, that that's pretty awesome. And that it happens every week as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's actually surprising. You know, I didn't realize how lucky, how fortunate we are to have that um, traveling to other communities that don't have that. I, I feel like that's why everyone is so closely knit here. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. And have you seen the trails there in Whistler get busier over the last ten or twelve years? Uh, there's more trails being built every year, which is definitely helpful. I find Whistler itself, uh, it's so spread out the way that the trail network works in Whistler that I don't find it too crowded. I think Squamish might run into more of that than okay. than our area does. The bike park certainly has a lot of volume. And certainly on weekends that are long weekends for either Canadians or Americans, it's it, it, it's it's bonkers there. But normally on the trails, I can go out and not run into anyone. Mm. Yeah, well, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. Which is um, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, because we certainly have that here. You know, you could um, go up the trails and not see anybody, and you could be up there for two or three hours. Yeah, um, exactly. And so it's it's kind of unique, right? Because Whistler. Uh, in Pemberton and Squamish, which are our neighboring communities, which I still consider part of our riding area, they have kind of only one or two major ascent trails in their areas, whereas ours are just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, I don't know, it just separates people. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the car parks can look absolutely full, but once everybody gets up the mountain, they go, in, they're, they go their own direction and you might not see anybody for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So, do you have a favorite trail in Whistler? Oh, I have a bunch. Um, for a quick afternoon rip, I would say Dark Crystal for something that's, you know, every t- tourist or any local would want to do in their lifetime is the, is the top of the world down to mm. uh, Khyber, Kashmir. Um, that's an insane loop. And then we've got this new, I love the Alpine and we've got this new Alpine trail called Lord of the Squirrels. And it takes you from the Valley to the Alpine and you traverse across the Alpine and then come back down. It's, it's an incredible trail. Wow. Jeez. And how, how long would that take you? Uh, it depends on the rider. Mm. Um, you know, somewhere between three and six hours, depending on your pace. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's a, it's a good long loop anyway, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like three hours would be pretty exceptional. Um, you know, six is probably more the average. 
Yeah, it sound it just sounds yeah. amazing out there. It really does. So have you have you mountain biked abroad before? Uh yes, but not not as much as you would think. Um, I've definitely mountain biked a lot across British Columbia. I've been mm-hmm. to the United States, and then abroad I've been to Italy, and that's about wow. Hit for mountain bike that I can think of. Yeah, whereabouts in Italy did you ride? Can you remember? Lago de Garda. And it was at the beginning of my riding, yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So gorgeous, gorgeous uh, spot out around there in Italy. It's lovely. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And, I, I mean, I've definitely gone road riding in different areas as well. But, yeah, mostly BC and, and the U.S., down into Oregon. So what's on your bucket list for mountain biking? Is there anywhere you would really like to ride? I would like to go to Switzerland, uh, France and oh I've been to Peru mountain biking as well sorry I forgot about Peru cool. yeah um, yeah I'd like to go do the classics you know yeah, yeah, and I've I've got a friend who was on the podcast Ben Jones, and he has his own adventure company there, and they do France, and they've just opened up a new trail network there in Italy as well, around Lake Garda and stuff. Um, so I would love so, to go, yeah, Switzerland, and then I I actually would really love to go to New Zealand. So those are my two top places, I think. Yeah, New Zealand looks amazing as well. Yeah, I was meant to be there right now, but it it just kind of fell through. But I I um. Uh, yeah, I would really like to explore there. It looks amazing, and I, I think the culture. I would really enjoy the people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, if you when you go, <laughs> I, I take it it's mainly for work. You go. Would you take your bike with you, or do you just hire? Oh no, I always take my bike with me. Um, I'm lucky enough to um, be an ambassador for Yeti Cycles. Yeti wow. bicycles. Wow. I love. They're incredible bikes, and I would always take because I feel like you ride better on a bike that you know, um, and so it's more enjoyable. Um, yeah, I think I think everything is kind of you know a little bit customized to your own yeah. body, so it's kind of nice to have your own bike. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, when I go snowboarding and stuff uh, and things, like that, I would even you know always take my own snowboarding boots and just my own equipment because it is you don't. You don't have to get used to new equipment and everything else. You, you know, you can just enjoy your it's, own stuff. It's it, it's not, you know, you're just, you're going to perform better. You're going to have a better time, I feel like. Yeah. more cost effective when it comes down to it as well. I mean, you're just paying the cost of flying your equipment and that's about it. Yeah, no, you're, that's true. That's very true. So let's chat a wee bit about uh, Robin O'Neill photography then. And your beautiful website, very, very nice. Um so tell us a wee bit about your photography uh, and, and where you're based and what type of photos you capture and stuff like that. I'm in adventure sports action photography and outdoor lifestyle and mountain culture, I would say, would be the best description of it. Um, yeah, very, very very nice. And your website's very eye-catching and you have some beautiful, beautiful images on your website and we'll, we'll put all that on the show notes as well so people can find that quite easily so what drew you to that kind of thing really robin you know is it just your interest in skiing and mountain biking that drew, drew you to that kind of side of the business yeah i think so. your passion my passion sort of directs where i go and um i've always enjoyed documenting the culture that i'm in and, and this culture i found really special and unique and um 
So I began documenting what it is that I am passionate about, which is definitely the outdoors and um, the sports that, that make me happy. Yeah, it comes across, I think, in your website too. It's very nice and obviously that's what drew me to it because I'm interested in all that kind of thing as well. So is it something, Robin, you do in your own or do you have a, a team behind you or do you just go yourself? What way does it work? In terms of doing the photography itself? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, no, I'm on my own. And you've worked on many different types of projects and stuff, which we can go into a wee bit later on. Is it something you plan to do well into the future? Is, is this where your real passions lie? Yes, absolutely. And I imagine that I'll always be outside adventuring um, and being able to do a, a, a job or a profession that allows me to be in that environment is pretty pretty exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a huge part of my future to be doing um, projects that are meant for the greater good as well. I would like to be bringing that social documentary work that I had in my previous life and bringing that very much into uh, play in the future. So I will be looking to do projects, nonprofit work, um, yeah, things that can have a positive impact on the world. Yeah, I love that. that that's awesome. Um, so, you know, mountain biking's grown, and I would I would say to a certain extent adventure sports has grown as well. Have you seen um, your type of services more required because of the, the growth in them sports? I just think that the more I do of it, the more work I get. So I'm not really sure if it's a, um, a play in that the action sports industry has grown or whether that's just... Um, you know, if you do, if you have a good relationship with a, a client and you've done good work, that they call you back, or you know, word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, so I can't really speak to the the size of action sports. I do think it's more accessible to people than it used to be. And and certainly with the rise of YouTube and everything else, it's definitely getting quite popular that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's chat a wee bit about the project projects you're on um if you don't mind um you you've worked with well you've worked with lots of different companies uh, but can we chat a wee bit about how they came about and stuff like that yeah for sure i mean uh i've worked with rocky mountain and um i mean that's a good example so rocky mountain and giro are both good examples because giro um i'd worked on the the ski side before and i went for a bike ride with their marketing manager um when he came to Crankworks, we met, we had a good connect. And then a year later, when he was working on a project, he reached out to me and asked me to, you know, create some creative photo shoot for them that would, would, would um, launch this new helmet that they had. And so we worked together on that. And that was the marketing director reaching out to me based on previous work and based on a good relationship. And then Rocky Mountain that more recent shoot that was the launch of one of their new bikes was that the athletes themselves reached out to me um, because they only had a filmer on and they really wanted to capture the stills as well. So they procured some some uh, support from Rocky Mountain and called me in the middle of their production and I wow. happened to be here. So it, it can happen in in many different ways getting a client like that or, or working on a photo shoot. Did Rocky Mountain know of you before or the videographer was there? Did, did you have a relationship or anything? Or 
Yes, I'd done a previous shoot with them many years back, and they're a local. They're a local brand, yeah. you know, international brand. They're a local brand, and I'm very connected with the athletes and the people who are, um, you know, running the company. So they know who I am. They would know my work, and and when an athlete would call and say, "I'd like her to take some photos um, with this work for you," they would they would know who I was and be able to support that. So yeah, good point. It's not really like. They're asking for support for someone that isn't that isn't recognized yet by them, but uh, not to say that couldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And had you done much kind of mountain bike shoots before the Rocky Mountain thing? Yes, I had. Yeah. You kind of know what you're doing then. Anyway, I always think a bike's a very hard thing to talk, you know, to shoot properly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it can be, but it can also. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I'm also used to shooting snow, which is exceptionally difficult. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, mountain biking seems um, a little bit more predictable than skiing because of the conditions. So that in itself makes it a bit easier for me to document. So in comparison, I guess I tend to compare it to that elusive ski photography. So then I, then I think, oh, this is pretty easy in comparison, but uh, no, it, it you know it really is the athletes. I mean, if the athletes are are into it and they're professionals at what they do and they're excited, I mean, it really it really makes everything move moves mm-hmm. easier. And so, I'm super fortunate to get to work with some incredible athletes, and those athletes make my job just a lot easier. And how do you find the guys, the, the the pro athletes working with them? Are they mostly good with you, or do you ever run across scenarios or situations where it's not that comfortable? Uh, no. I mean, I would say it's always been great working with professional athletes. They're very, they're very accepting of me, and and often they know my work, so they trust me. Um, yeah, I personally haven't run into any issues. Sometimes there's competing interests. So, you know, if you're on a film shoot, the photographer and the filmer and the athlete all have to work together to create the content. So it's just making sure, managing the needs of the client or the athlete or the filmer or the photographer and making sure everything's symbiotic. I mean, that can be a bit challenging, but apart mm. from that, that's the only challenge that I can see there. Yeah, that would that be the main difficulty you would you would say in shooting mountain biking? Yeah, I mean I'm not often working with a filmer, but when I am, that can be a bit tricky. Um, but usually they're amazing to work with. So, and then in terms of the athletes, I mean most of them are fully charged and fired up, and they work really hard to make sure we get what we need. They're they're really uh, they're really I don't know how to explain it. They're just very on task. Hmm. Yeah, certainly. And and when you go into a shoot like that, Rob, do you go in with any kind of outline or a plan of, of what to shoot or what images to get or capture? Or is that something like, say, Rocky Mountain would ask you to do? Is there anything particular they want to see? Or Well, sometimes you get thrown into it. Like that particular shoot, I got thrown mm-hmm. in and I didn't actually select the trail, so I hadn't seen it at all. And um, the timing was not selected by me, so you just have to roll with it and create really strong, incredible content, advertising-worthy content, and just be able to see it. 
as it comes up and um that can be that can be hard for sure um mm-hmm. and also be really rewarding because you you you're just responding to what's going on around you um and then other shoots are extremely well laid out because of either the investment or the um the level of production that's involved with it or uh, a technical outcome that like that you're looking at the image has an outcome that requires a lot of technical um like figuring out how do you how to execute this this shot technically takes a lot of preparation than others. I suppose it would help if you knew the trail and stuff beforehand, obviously, because you, you would you then set up where where you think you're going to take shots from, or I, I kind of feel it out. So so I'll have preconceived ideas if I know the trail of where I'd like to shoot, but it is also a play because you know you can't always visualize what an athlete can do in a certain situation and they bring a lot of that creativity to to the shoot themselves you know there are definitely some very creative lines and creative um just even the way they visualize terrain and what they see can be different than what i see so then you just have to i just have to allow for some flexibility in what what might happen on a shoot and be willing to go there with the athlete yeah it sounds it sounds mind-bogglingly difficult how, how long would something like that take to do oh well i mean there's all sorts like the camelback shoot that i did last year say for instance is um you know their 4 a.m starts to 11 p.m for three or four days in a row and then wow. some of them can be you just go out for sunset so it really it depends on the deliverables or what what the work is yeah, so it's you have to be able to manage your time well. That's that's would be an important thing, I suppose. Yeah, it's especially when you're really busy, and also just knowing what weather situations would work for something, and that you could get that one off your plate and wait for the right day to get the you know you're waiting for the sunset shot, so you need to wait for that sun to happen, and so you just kind of map out. You have to be flexible with your calendar. I have to be flexible with my calendar for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you also done uh, a, a shoot for Whistler Bike Park. Is that correct? Yeah, I do their I do their marketing. Um, I have been doing that I think three or four years now, and I work with them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is that is that something that's a wee bit different to shoot, or, or how do you go about that? Um, it is a bit different because their team is different. Um, they um, they use community members who are amazing athletes, but they are working people. So getting schedules together is it is quite challenging. And um, yeah, there are, those shoots can be a little bit more casual sometimes in terms of just exploring and looking at new terrain and figuring out how to shoot differently because the bike park has been captured mm-hmm. so much. So we're always looking to kind of find new and creative ways to to photograph it yeah and how closely would you work with the riders in in that situation is there many riders involved in that or what way does that work i believe the team is five or six people right okay uh, so yeah I'd be, I'd be photographing with those same five or six people Right, all right. So you have a good relationship with them anyway, so you have a fair idea what way they're going to ride. And... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. oh, that's good. And uh, Do you kind of enjoy doing that more so than 
other shoots or <laughs> is it just something a wee bit different? Yeah, I like the variety. It's nice yeah. variety, yeah. Yeah, cool. So let's talk a wee bit more uh, about photography generally. When you know a trail and you're going to it, you know, how do you look at that? How do you look at that trail and know where you're going to take photos from and stuff? Or is it, is it just something you have to work at throughout the day? I'm really sure how to, how to articulate that. I look for features or compositions or areas where I know that I definitely want to know where the light is going to be. Um, that's something that I'm very considerate about, which way the sun's going to be coming in and um, and what time of day I'd like to shoot that particular trail. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I look for features that I know will look good on a bike as well as will, you know, be like please the eye. Do you think shooting something like mountain biking, would it take a little longer to get good at or does it require a different set of skills or anything like that? Um, I think understanding mountain biking and what's possible on a bike is definitely helpful. Yeah. Um, actually, I think it's essential um, to mount, be a mountain biker. Additional skill sets. I mean, yeah, there's the, you know the obvious. You need to be able to get around, so mm-hmm. that's important. Um, but you know, you think it would be to me from a you know I'm not a photographer, but for somebody say shooting a football game to somebody shooting mountain biking or skiing, I, I think the skill set would need to be a lot different um it almost would seem more difficult to me to shoot mountain biking or skiing over say football or ice hockey or something like that you know um you know i can't say i haven't really well i guess i did during the olympic shoot some of those sports um i don't know i think the technical skills involved in photography are always the same they're they're you know they're about light um they're about composition um those will stay the same regardless and you need to know your equipment and how to work it in any given situation. I think, yeah, I think trail accessibility and being able to get in and out of places and be able to work in weather that's variable and um, conditions that are variable. But I don't know if those are necessarily like a technical skill set. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a wee bit about the, the elements then, about rain and wind, etc. So how would you kind of work on round those unforeseen kind of instances when you're shooting? Well, hopefully they're not super unforeseen and you've checked the weather. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just continue photographing. Like, I, I just... I don't know if I shift things too much during that time. I actually really like shooting in inclement weather. Because I suppose you might get different lighting situations and stuff like that, and it may it may end up something that you didn't expect almost. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, situations that are difficult to be out in weather-wise often produce really interesting and engaging imagery because other people don't go out in those circumstances. So it has... It has a, a, I don't know, an inspirational feature that some, you know, that somebody would actually be out there doing that. And how about editing and stuff like that, Rob? Do you do all that yourself? No, I don't. I have a full-time editor right now. Well, full-time. Okay. Works 20 hours a week, but yeah. Yeah, cool. And was that a process that you just didn't enjoy doing or you just didn't have time to do anymore? I don't have enough time to do it. Um, and I like... I like editing, 
but not the volume that we're doing. So yeah. how many shots would you take in a, a shoot if you're, I know it can differ um, from shoot to shoot, but on average, how many shots would you be taking? You know, I actually have no idea. <laughs> be quite a lot though. Yeah, well, no, it depends. On an action shoot, you wouldn't be photographing that many because you can only do so much action in a day. You know, an action shoot definitely requires less, like you're going to you're gonna be capturing less photos for sure. Yeah, well, that's interesting because I kind of had the, the, you know, I was thinking when these guys are doing these runs or maybe doing, you see them going down a trail and they maybe do that trail 10 or 15 times just to get the shots and everything else. And so it's maybe not like that, is it not? Uh, there's definitely some times, well, hopefully you execute on the first lap. And if you don't, they might do it a couple of times, but you're still talking about, you know, maybe 10 frames or something per, per go. And there's only so much trail you can cover in a day. If you're talking about lifestyle, then you can get in way more volume, I think. And do you find it easy to keep your passion at a high level? Yes. Uh, there's definitely downtimes, and that's usually based on overworking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from June to November, I, I can't even think of three days off I had. So I was pretty wow. pretty flat in November. But that's just more a matter of getting some rest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm so lucky, like, you know, so many people around me are passionate about the sport, regardless of whether they're professional athletes or just friends in this community that that are excited about it. And then I'm so lucky because I have so many colleagues that inspire me. And so all you have to do is, you know, look at one of their images and it fires me up. So I suppose being at Whistler's great for your your business and and your kind of passion as well. Absolutely, it's a, it's it's definitely nice to be able to walk out your door and be be right in it yeah sounds awesome sounds awesome so what's been your favorite photo shoot up to this point is there any photos or anything like that that stand out in your mind oh geez i don't know um (laughs) that's tricky the photo shoot i'm on maybe (laughs) um yeah no i can't think of that offhand yeah have you done any photo shoots for yay yes i did and i have one coming up i did um one last fall and that was really fun uh, just for their fall apparel line. It was great. Cool. And is there any body that you would really love the opportunity to work with as far as mountain biking goes? You know, I, I really enjoyed working with Brandon Semenuk, and I would like to do that again. Um, mm. And I I look at Mike Hopkins' work, and he's so creative in, his, in all of his ideas that I would love to be on a creative project with him for sure. Uh, is the is the photography community there quite close knit? Is it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we we all work so much individually that we barely get to see one another. But I think that um, you know, if I were to need anything or bounce an idea off of any of them, they'd all be available for sure. Mm, no, that's good. That's good. And I suppose you need that support as well. Yeah, it's nice to know that there's a sense of community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good. Um, can we talk a wee bit about the equipment you use then, just for somebody that's interested or thinking about getting into photography? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's really different getting into it than where the level I'm at right now. So just mm-hmm. keeping mindful of that there's some some um, entry point, entry level cameras that can get you started. Uh, and your, yourself, Rob, what kind of equipment do you use? What, what would be your go-to camera and things like that? 
Uh, I am can- I'm a Canon user, and that was strictly uh, a decision I made a long time ago because I bought some used gear, and it happened to be Canon. And for me, financially, it makes most sense to stay with a brand, and I've been very happy with Canon. I, I feel like they're they're great to me, and they're great to use, and, and I love the lenses and the bodies, so I, I have no reason to change from that. Um, so I can't speak to the lineup of other brands, but I can speak to that lineup of Canon. And I use, um, I use two cameras, one's for sports action. And then that's the Mark, uh, the one DX Mark two. And then for my other body, which is the, um, five D five D Mark four, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are them cameras quite accessible to anybody? What would the kind of price be in them? Would you know? I don't know offhand, but I mean, I bought, I buy a lot of used equipment as well because it, it sometimes makes sense. But I believe without um, a professional rate, I mean, mine was my my main body was probably seven thousand dollars, and my wow. other body was four used. So that's just the camera body without any lenses. Yeah, and I'm sure lenses aren't that cheap either. Not the glass that I use. I use very high-end glass, so a lot of prime lenses, and you know they can vary between seventeen hundred and twenty-five hundred. So wow. um, some of them are more, depending. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a huge cost, and the lights as well that I have. Um, it's a big investment, and the computer. Like, don't forget about that the whole editing process requires, you know, you have a computer, you have backup systems, hard drives, you have Lightroom, you have, you know, your editing suite. It's not it's not an inexpensive start, but you can actually do things with a lot more, a lot less resources, for sure, by getting into a lower end body and less, you know, less expensive glass, um, lenses, that kind of thing. Yeah, and do you would you switch up your equipment then, depending on where you're shoot, shooting? So I suppose if you're shooting a mountain biking scene, it would be very different from shooting on the snow. Uh, no, I use the same equipment. For oh, sure. do you? Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it might change based on if I know I'm shooting from a heli, I probably wouldn't bring a wide angle that's you know a fourteen. Uh, but you, you you pick based on what you know is coming ahead on the photo shoot but yeah it's the same same equipment wow okay I, I see with me not knowing anything really about photography I thought you'd have to be changing camera bodies and lenses and you know quite a lot to shoot from the snow to the trails you know no I use the exact same lenses I just might I'm just on a skis or I'm on a bike depending on which sport if somebody's thinking of getting into photography Rum, if you had a piece of advice to give them, what would it be? Just go for it. Um, it's never going to make any sense to do it. <laughs> no. uh, just go for it and um, be resilient because there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of people that enjoy doing it. And so you're, you have to be tenacious and continue to go after what you like and what you love and um, not get knocked down by by what everybody else is doing. Certainly from your own perspective, you would say 
shoot stuff you enjoy doing yourself? I think so. Or things that, that interest you, things that you're passionate about. It may not, it may not be um, sport, but it might be something. It might be the product itself that, you know, that interests that person. It could be the people behind the sport that interests the person. But yeah, I would definitely start with what fires you up because personal projects tend to um, stand out the most. Um, they tend to reflect us the best. And I suppose maybe just start from a social aspect of it. Just do it because you enjoy doing it, not because you think you can make a career out of it. Um, I can't really tell anyone like what to envision when they start it. I mean, you know, somebody might have the idea that they want to do this as a career and mm-hmm. start it up that way. That's fine. I don't know if the, the motivation um, you know, I don't know if that matters so much. It's just more a matter of not being attached to the result, really, and, and just enjoying the process of making photos. And drones and stuff like that, Rob, have you ever shot using a drone? Because we see those images becoming very popular now. Yeah, they certainly are popular. I have not um, photographed a drone. We've been looking into it because uh, mm. they've now... Um, they're now getting there, almost getting there with some photography. But, but up until this point, the photography, the photos that can be grabbed are just not at the resolution that, like we can't put, I would like to be able to put my camera body on a drone. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do that, I would like to have the resolution that, 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 I, that I think is the quality that I'm looking for. You know, we are seeing a lot more images from drones and stuff now and film from drones. And do you think that will change the industry a wee bit? I think it may have, I mean, it's really nice to see a different perspective. It's certainly always nice to see aerials. I'm not sure. There's going to be a lot of restrictions on drones and flight paths, and it's that's going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, yeah. So I actually don't really know. I'm, I, I would say that's more of a, like, filmers probably have more of a idea. They, they're the ones who are using drone the most, I think. What about the future for you, Robin? Um, is there anything really cool planned for the future or, or what kind of shoots are you going on in the future? Um, there's definitely some stuff in the works. Um, some of it I can't talk about yet. I'm going to be doing <laughs> uh, a new bike coming out and I will be working on a bunch of um, campaign work for Mr. Blackhome coming up and I will be doing... Yeah, I'm heading on another trip to Peru. We'll see. There's lots in the lots in the mix, but we'll see what, what comes to the top. And I think I'm also doing a shoot for MSR. That's again a winter shoot. So So your diary's pretty full anyway. Yeah, it is. That's good, that's good. And are you traveling all the time? Do you travel for most of your shoots? Um no, I just got back from a powder assignment, um, powder magazine assignment, and that was travel and then now I'm back for a contract that will be going on for probably a month or two. And then within that, I have two other contracts that I believe will be, they're for companies that are international, but they'll be in Canada. So, yeah. That's good. I'm sure it's nice to stay at home sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I love travel. I love being at home. They're both good for me. I I do like the variety. Yeah, brilliant. So, Robin, how can people best get in contact with Robin O'Neill Photography? How how can they best find you? Well, the website's really good, for sure. The Robin O'Neill Photography 
um, website, but also, I mean, following on Instagram is always helpful. It's um, Robin O'Neill, R-O-B-I-N-O-N-E-I-L-L, and it's just kind of showcases some of my work, which is, you know, constantly being added to. Yeah, that's great. And I'll put the links on the show notes for people to get to and get easy access to. And you can email or, or, or um, you can link to an email address on either of those, either website or Instagram. That's cool. That's great. Well, Robin, thank you so much for your time. I know you're very, very busy there, so um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come and speak to us. Oh, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I'm, I'm, uh, I hope I could answer some of those questions. Some of them have me thinking because I didn't have uh, an answer for them, so I will be kind of looking into those myself. But uh, if anyone has any questions they want to ask me directly as well, they can certainly get in touch with me um, through my email. Yeah, that's brilliant. And um, it's really good to speak to a photographer at the top of the game because we have, you know, photographers here, but they, they do it in really just a social kind of side of things. You know, it's yeah. just an interest for them. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be professional. So it's really good to get your insight into it. Well, thank you. Yes, I love what I do. And I, you know, the more people that I can share that with, the better. That's great. That's brilliant. Yeah, and it's lovely to see some of your images. They are, and um, I will be telling people to go to your website because you have some beautiful images on there. You have a video on there as well. Did you do that yourself? Yes, it's something I don't do very often, but that video was, um, again, it was a fundraising project. It was for a purpose, and so I threw myself out there to do it. Did you win an award for that? Um, no, I think I won awards for Deep Winter and Deep Summer, which are... They appear like videos, but they're slideshows. Ah, yes, yes, of course, yes. So, very good. So, Robin, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Robin. I'll speak to you again. Okay, bye. Thank you, Robin, so much for being a guest on the MTB Tribe podcast. I really enjoyed our chat about the photography industry within the mountain biking scene. And it's not an easy one. I know your calendar is full all the time and you're trying to juggle different shoots with different people and different companies um, all the time. So well done. And um, I, I love your website and everything else. So people, if you want to know more about Robin's work, please visit the show notes at mtb-tribe.com and all the links and info to her social networks and projects are on there so please do that and if you want to follow the show please visit mtb-tribe.com you can subscribe there and get a insider scoop on what is happening throughout the week and you won't be bombarded by emails maybe one or two a week is maximum and i am working on that at this present time so please bear with me as i update that for you folks so if you want to follow the show also on socials you can do instagram is at mtb tribe and facebook mtb tribe and if you follow us on iTunes, I would really appreciate a comment and a share on there. Please review the show. Five stars always is the best, as we know. And uh, that really just helps the show be found on iTunes, keeps more, more people listening, more people interested, and keeps me doing this, what I really enjoy. And um, from the feedback I'm getting from you guys, just enjoy it too. So that's always a bonus. Um, so guys, thanks so much for being here. And again, don't forget about that BKXC episode that's coming up very shortly. You can subscribe and get your questions to Brian Kennedy about that. That will be very interesting indeed. And I am looking forward to that episode so much. So thanks again for being here, folks. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and enjoy the trails.